Vicky Williams was in, uh, was it Julia Creek? I met Vicky, I think it was. It might have been Richmond, but it doesn't matter. Come and meet her. I'm in Julia Creek. I'm talking to Vicky Julia Creek. Williams. How are you, Vicky? Very well, thank you, Mecca. No, I know you, don't I, sort of? Well, sort of. I called you from Taldora earlier in the year when we were airlifted into that property during the floods. That's in? North of Julia Creek, sort of towards Normanton. Mm-hmm. And what were you doing there? We basically went in, they were still flooded in, so we had to clean cottages and things and just basically help them get back up on their feet a little bit. Was this with Blaze Aid, was it? This was with Blaze Aid. We uh, started volunteering there in... In February and we're still just doing a little bit of work locally at the moment. We've just come off a property called Kilterry. Next weekend we're going to be volunteering at the Sedan Dip Rodeo just outside of Julia Creek again just heading north again we're up that uh, old Normanton Road. So we're going to be tending bar I believe which should be good fun. <laughs> it's a good gig. <laughs> yeah well there you go just get some you lose some. We were actually uh, the week before last we were at a property called Wandula which had been fairly well destructed by the floods and it broke my heart to be there cleaning these people's property out. Well, what was the whole experience like? You went there, what, in uh, late February, I suppose, was it? Uh, Taldora, we were in late February. Wandula, we've only just been there in the last few weeks. The family that lived there had to be evacuated to another property because their, their property was just destroyed. So what did you see? What did you see when you got there in February and, and how did it change by the time you've left? Um, we've noticed a lot more stock around, which has been a pleasant surprise. You know, the, the livestock have been up and on the ground, whereas when we came earlier, there was a lot of death and destruction. I think the people are starting to come together and we notice that there's a lot of functions on, which is really good because they get out and talk and contact with each other, I think, is an important thing. Where's home for you, Vicky? Our home is Logan and we're heading back there in a few weeks' time. So you've been on the road for a while? We have, since March last year. And that was a decision, what, just to go on holidays or you wanted to volunteer or what? No, we've always said we were going to retire early and hit the road, so that's what we've been doing. We said we'd volunteer at some stage and this came up. We were in Western Australia when this came up, came across, and that's where we've been ever since, pretty much. I bet it's been a rewarding experience. Extremely rewarding. We've met so many lovely people and made friends for life. So you'll come back, Vicky. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll probably be back this time next year, I reckon. Good on you, Vic. Nice to talk to you. Thank you, Maka. Good on you. Driving's great. I love to drive because why? Because you meet lots of people. And I... I met this lady uh, on the way up. I'm in Augustella. I'm talking to Jodie Brown. How are you, Jodie? I'm going very well, thank you. you got your sort of small horse transport here, cattle transport? What yeah, is- a little body truck, uh, just for carting cattle mostly, but every now and then I cart a few ponies, so I've got four horses and one little waddy potty on at the moment. Where are you on your way to, Jodie? I'm heading back out west to Longreach, so I've just come from Maryborough. We've got a little cattle block down there that we bought a couple of years ago in the drought just to send the cows somewhere but yeah so I'm heading back out which drought was that <laughs> there's one been co- enough of one, them <laughs> one continuous <laughs> one continuous one yeah no it's been it's sort of been a fairly um I'd nearly say a 20 year drought with a couple of breaks in between really <laughs> so that means you're on the road a, a lot with cattle or sending them off to adjustment or yeah yeah we um oh well we went driving a few times when we were um kids and then again more recently after I finished school to keep the breeding herd together but mostly we've relied on adjustments so sending them away and you know you pay to have them on someone else's land and we've probably sent them on 17 or 18 adjustment properties wow from, really yeah so where been, to like where 
Oh, well, they have been all through different areas of Queensland, sort of from, like, central Queensland out to the Channel Country and down to the Arcadia Valley, through the border into New South Wales, out to the Northern Territory, sort of up near Daly Waters there. And then the most recent stint is um, down in the desert country on the Birdsville Track. And, um, yeah, we sent them down there to South Australia for about three years on a station called Cowrie. Yeah. You must love your cattle. Oh, we... <laughs> <laughs> we love our cattle. We don't mind an adventure. Uh, it does get a little bit wearing after a while. <laughs> yeah, and this is a long drive from Maryborough to Longreach and back. How many times do you do that? Oh, sort of, yeah, must be doing it about three or four times a year so far, but oh, probably a little bit more actually. But, yeah, it's worked out so far, so we haven't had to move the cattle so, so much it's a bit easier when you're driving around instead of trucking the cattle around <laughs> exactly what's the name of your place Latrobe. yeah it's just south of Longreach. nice to meet you jody you give us a ring one sunday morning when the when the rains come okay i shall for do. our weather report <laughs> i'll be very very happy to share that with you <laughs> thanks very much good to meet you jody good day this is macca oh, hi yeah it is kieran kelly oh good day kieran where are you I'm in the Yosemite Valley. Uh, I leave tomorrow to do the John Muir Trail. That's right. I remembered. I, I meant to ask you when I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, but you didn't mention it. So the, tell people about the – I was telling someone yesterday, um, they were asking about you, and I said, oh, well, he's, he's off in America. He's doing, the, um, doing this uh, John Muir Trail, and they seem to know about John Muir. Um, is it, was he an environmentalist or something? Yes, he was really probably the world's first environmentalist, and he was also a forester. And uh, – the Sierra Nevada Mountains, where I am now in California, and the home of the giant sequoias and redwoods. And, of course, people saw that as a tremendous source of timber and got stuck into it and knocked most of them over. And then he realized that, no, this is worth preserving. And I, he lobbied a couple of U.S. presidents to create the first national parks. Uh, he was an explorer in the wilderness here and created uh, quite a few of the trails. And I think both Yosemite... National Park and um, and uh, Yellowstone National Park are both due to his lobbying. And the John Muir Trail is probably the most famous uh, trail in America, the most well-known trail, right along the spine of the Sierra Nevada for about 350 to 400 kilometres, and it's mostly above about 10,000 feet. Yeah, I know, and I I realise that you you're going to be walking this. How long is this going to take? This is a big. This is a I've big. I budgeted. Um, I budgeted 25, uh, 26 days. Uh, I don't want to push myself because of the altitude. They had a lot of trouble here with people getting altitude sickness. And the other thing I didn't bank on when I came over here, I've trained and trained and trained, is the heat. It's uh, 95 degrees out there at the moment, which is about, I think, 38 in our temperature. Yeah. And uh, the first two days I've got to go from a 6,000-foot a 6, climb from... I think it's about 3,000 feet to 9,000 feet. So I'm going to get slaughtered over the first two to three days. If I can get through that, I'll be fine, I think. Can't you... Um, yeah, I, I was thinking, because um, um, the person I was talking to um, about you and what you were doing said, well, um, it's still warmer there, but it was much warmer. You, good thing you didn't do it, say, a month ago when it was really warm. It was, and so it's still warm there. Yeah, well, I'm glad I didn't do it a month ago. That's all I can say. Uh and, uh, you know, it, this, this walk, the John Muir Trail, is famous for two things. One being altitude sickness and the second being weight. 
because you've got to carry you know big packs a long way. So last night, which you'll find ridiculous, I spent going through every single thing I've got. I cut all the labels off my clothes. I sawed the handle off my toothbrush. Um, everything I, I just I've been through it and been through it and everything to try and cut down the weight. And so this is all about carrying minimal weight because I think there's six passes you go over over about ten to twelve thousand feet, and the last one is Mount Whitney itself, which you climb right at the end, and that's fourteen and a half thousand feet. So for me, this will all be about altitude, which you know I don't come from altitude, but it'll all be about altitude and weight, I think. I was speaking to Greg Mortimer yesterday, um, the bloke who's climbed Everest and um, in K2, and he was he knew the, the trail well. He wished you well. Um, but, um, yeah, altitudes uh, can be the killer, can't it? 14,000 feet, that's above the what they call the inversion level, uh, but, but 10,000 feet. So, yeah, you just want to take it. Can you, can you just uh, – do you have to be at a certain place? You've got to do a certain uh, distance every day, or can you just say, I'm going to stop no, here? No, that's why I've left myself a bit of time. I want to enjoy this. Uh, I don't know how many long walks I've got left carrying a big backpack, so this isn't for me about ticking any boxes or – or anything like that. It's really I've done some beautiful walks in Australia, and I think I I know the Australian outback very well, and I've been to Tassie quite a few times now. I just want to see what somebody else's wilderness is like, really. And uh, I've seen our wilderness, so I want to see their wilderness. And and this is historic because of John Muir himself, and what an iconic individual he was in the conservation movement. I want to see some of the animals here. You know, I've never seen a, a, a black bear in the wild, and I hope to see some bears. There's plenty of bear activity here this year. Um, the North American marmot, I've never seen a marmot. So I like wild animals, and um, and I'm travelling by myself, so I should be able to move along quietly and just uh, just experience experience the wonder of someone else's wilderness, really. You mentioned bears, and they can be a problem, but I tell you what, you better be careful that you don't run into the Yosemite Sam Well, I'll try and avoid him now. Just on another matter, I want to congratulate you on your wonderful uh, milestone. I think it's 45 years this weekend, Dan. I don't know if you've told everyone, but it's a wonderful career and a wonderful achievement. Um, You've been a great servant to Australian radio broadcasting. Uh, thank you, Kieran. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit overwhelming, really. When people, uh, as I said the other day, Mum said to me one day, she said, uh, "I don't know, I was much younger," and she said, uh, "You turn around and you're 65." She just said that, and I didn't know what she was talking about, really. Um, but I've thought about it uh, as time goes on, and, and it's the same with your your job. All of a sudden, you you turn around, and you've been doing your job for forever, but it doesn't seem. Just seems like yesterday because you know I suppose I enjoy it just like you enjoy doing things that most of us wouldn't even contemplate walking and doing those things you do. But um, Kieran, tell me this: the weight you've got in your pack and is this water, or can you pick water up on the way, or is that is that? No, the- this is uh, this is unlike Australia in that you don't have to carry much water uh, other than on the last day up Mount Whitney because water is very heavy, three isn't it? Four liters up Mount Whitney because there's no water down that last two days of the track but now most of it's food particularly on the second half i'm going to get a resupply halfway through at a place called muir trail ranch but now i've got to carry 12 days of food uh, so those first few days out of muir trail ranch are going to be a killer i would say my pack will probably weigh close to 20 kilos um which is probably at my age about the limit of what i can carry especially up some of the big passes 
on the second half of the trip. So I'll be taking it very steadily, and I've just got to pace myself. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to set any speed records. I just want to get it done, take some beautiful photographs, have a swim in all the lakes, and just generally enjoy the nature. Well, it's a it's a tribute to Kieran. Um, oh, I don't know that I'd be doing it. You've been training for this, obviously. You usually train for your walks, don't you? I do. Yeah, I've had three long walks in Tasmania in the last um, nine months. Three good walks, and I'll say hello to Mitch Wilson who helped me. If he's listening, great guide from Tasmania. But I'm doing this one without a guide, and I've done a lot of walks up in the Blue Mountains, and I think I know what I'm in for. My great, uh, I guess, advantage on over some people probably is experience. So a lot of people that I've bumped into here have no idea what they're getting into, and you can tell it in the way they've prepared. So, uh, you know, a lot of them aren't wearing hats, which I find extraordinary. But Americans don't seem to understand the sun like we do. I wouldn't go on a trip like this without a hat if you paid me. So, uh, you know, I'm just going to back my experience and try and enjoy it, Anne. Yeah, and see, you never know because it's coming up to, um, you know, uh, autumn over there and you never know, you could get a snow flurry, you know, and start, you know. Yeah, you very very likely could get a snow flurry. I won't finish this till about the uh, second last week of September. So the snow, and I'll be up at 14,500 feet, so it's quite likely to get a snow flurry. That's what makes it hard. You've got to carry warm weather gear and you never know when you're going to need it. So it's all weight. Kieran, keep in touch. You can ring us next Sunday and tell us how it's going, if you like, for the next couple of Sundays. That'd be lovely. If no, 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 no telephone reception, unfortunately, where <laughs> I'm going. And uh, the next you'll hear from me, hopefully, is when I'm finished. Wow. Well, good luck, mate. Um, and we all uh, wish you the best. And, yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah, you'll have some lovely stories, as you usually do after you've done uh, some little. Okay, and uh, congratulations once again, Ian. Good on you. Thanks, Kieran. Good Thanks, luck, mate. mate. Bye. Thank you. G'day, Macca. It's Billy from Bellyandu Crossing. How are you? Billy from Bellyandu. Good, Billy. Uh, nice to talk to you. Yeah, you too. I've been actually meaning to call you for the last couple of weeks. I um, I work for an earth-moving company uh, from down in Gundawindi, and we're up doing a, we're up up at Bellyandu building a uh, 2,000 meg dam at the moment, and we heard you were in town for last week, and I was a bit annoyed at the boss that he wouldn't give me the day off so we could come over and see you. I went I went past the turn off to Bellyana Crossing and the, given half a yeah, I would have would have come down, but it's a, it's a fair way from what road was I on? Um I don't know. We were going across from from Townsville to um from Mount Isa rather to Townsville. Ah, yeah, yeah. So you were definitely not far. You probably drove past our front gate on the station that we're working on at the moment. It's a 120,000 cattle, uh, 120,000 acre cattle station. So, uh, yeah. Billy, what do, you, what do you do? You drive a... I'm, I'm a laser bucket driver. So I, I tow a, um, a big laser bucket behind a tractor. Uh-huh. Uh, but we, we work in a team. So we've got three scrapers, a water truck, a uh, compactor, and, um, and myself, yeah, all building, building a big, big dam. Did you, you said what did you say? Two hundred meg or two thousand meg? What's that mean? How how big is that? Two two thousand megalitres. Yeah, right. And and yeah. what what does that look like in terms of size? Huge. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. Yeah, no, it's um it's big. So so the dam beside us, they've got two dams, uh, and we we actually measured one side of the dam wall, which was six hundred and fifty meters long, um, probably by about. Oh, I'm going to say nearly a kilometre. 
So, yeah, it's, they're, they're quite a big dam. Yeah, mm. I'll say, and they're waiting for the next downpour, I suppose. Is it dry up there at the moment? Oh, it, it's crazy. The cattle station normally runs about 10,000 head. Um, the farmer, when we, when we started the job, he only had 6,000 head of cattle here and he's just sold a heap more as it's just his dam, his dam that he has full at the moment. It's, yeah, it's, it's going down, but, um, yeah, no, it's, yeah, he's just praying for rain at the moment, which is, which is sad, but. Anyway, it's like that throughout Australia, everywhere, really. Lots of places are dry, uh, Billy. Billy, how did you get the gig? Uh, how did you decide you wanted to, um, you know, tow a tow a um, a bucket? <laughs> oh, look, Maka, I um, yeah, a bit of a challenge, I guess. I was uh, working in the mines down in Mulmerin, so my original town is Pittsworth uh, in Queensland, and yeah, I. I really don't know how I got got to where I am at the moment, but that's, um, that's, that's what I say. Life, life takes you these places, don't they? Yeah, John Lennon said, "Life's what happens to you while you're busy making plans." Oh, exactly right. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> but um, but no, while I've while I've got you, I I best say I have a confession. Oh. I used to listen to. You when I was a kid, uh, when we when we used to jump in the car or in the tractor with Dad, and I haven't listened to you for years. And my supervisor, um, he listens to you every Sunday, and so he got me back listening to you. So I've missed you, Maka. <laughs> well, I've missed you too, Billy. I've missed you too. What's your supervisor's name? Baldy. Baldy. <laughs> yeah. Well, good on Baldy. That's all I can say. Good on Baldy. Yeah. Well, he, he was a bit annoyed at me because I wasn't on cue for giving you a call early enough for you to call in for a cuppa. So <laughs> next time you're up this way. <laughs> yeah, I love being on the road, Billy. I love it. I love driving around and stopping and talk to people like, um, yeah, people I meet on the road. It's it's great fun. It's great oh, fun. Oh, absolutely. And you do such an awesome job. So, Billy, yeah. uh, it's lovely to talk to you. What's it? Is it cool there in the mornings at the moment? Uh, about fourteen degrees, oh, that's all uh, right. and then and then heating up to to about twenty seven thirty degrees. So they're they're just absolutely stunning days at the moment. Yeah, no, oh. it's beautiful. What oh. about you down there? Um, four degrees in my fish pond the other day. Yesterday, I've got these little I've got these little native fish called um, Pacific blue eyes. They're only little little fellas, but I didn't want goldfish because mm-hmm. I'm. Over goldfish, so I've got these. Li- I've got these little Pacific blue eyes, and they come from all over. But you got to get them from the right state. If you get them from Queensland, they're not used to the cold weather, and they cark it. Um, but- oh, so they don't adapt. They don't adapt. No, I don't. Well, not to four degrees. That's nearly freezing. So, <laughs> so um, it was cold in the fish pond. Um, but um, I'm trying. I can't find them because they're very. There's weed and everything in my fish pond. It's only a small one, so. I'm hoping they survive the winter. I just I put some little feed in, and uh, but yeah, four degrees in the morning. That's in the middle of Sydney, so um, yeah, it's been a cold winter for, and we all need counselling because um, <laughs> <laughs> not used to it. Well, well, let's hope let's hope it warms up before you freeze. Yeah, <laughs> good on you, Billy. Great to talk. Awesome. Thanks so much, Maka. It's a pleasure. Good on you. Catch ya. Bye. When I was in, uh, where was I, Kel? Cloncurry, I met the mayor. Come and meet him, he's a lovely bloke. I'm in the curry, Cloncurry. I'm talking to Billy Telford and Greg Campbell, the mayor. I wanted to talk to you both. Billy, you run the pub here? No, my my son runs the pub here. I just help. But you've been here how long? 
52 years. Greg, you're a, sort of a local? Yeah, I was born here. I want you to tell Australia, how's the curry recovering? I think from where we were in February, we're in a pretty good place. Mm. Now, there's still a, a long road in front of us, but you know, the support from the federal government has been fantastic. The state's come along. You know, our local governments, all the councils in the northwest have done a great job. You know, the people, I think, have really you know, shone and shown why you know, the country people of this great nation are so tough and why they're still on the land. The spirits are pretty good, Billy? I think spirits in, in town are good, yes. Yeah. And what do you reckon, what do you put that down to? It's hard to say. I think people pulling together, Greg, don't you? Everybody's pulled together very well. Blaze Aid, Rural Aid, you know, the Sisters of the North, the charity born here in town, the outpouring of generosity from across the country has been humbling. Whether it's a handful of silver coins that primary school in southeast Queensland sent up to give to the kids on the properties to have a bit of pocket money <laughs> to cakes from different CWAs to you know a couple that brought a horse float full of horse gear up to you know the hundreds of thousands of dollars that mining companies have given down to 50 bucks from you know the mum and dad's been given to give it and you know, blaze aid and buy a cow and buy a bale the generosity has been amazing I always think because we talk about this all the time people want an opportunity Everybody loves an opportunity to help, really. That's, that's a lot of people don't know how to go about it. Mm. Mm. And that's probably all those organisations have probably put that method into people's hands. I don't know the actual numbers, but you know, it's been a constant stream of people, and generally older people, retired, or there has been some young ones that have just taken time off because they wanted to help, but especially because our grazing population is getting a little bit older. They've had somebody their own age to, you know, to sit down and have a beer with and have a yarn with and go out and do something the repairs and you know I had one comment one day flood fencing is probably the worst job a grazer gets to do and we've had people coming to do it for free so you know that shows how committed they are to help and some of the fences when they were just washed away and twisted up in you know dead um, prickly bushes and some of them would have been twisted up with dead animals you know it wouldn't have been a pleasant job and you know there's been people coming out you know, just to do it out of the goodness of their heart to help people get going again it's been really fantastic bringing Australians together. Most definitely. And, you know, I think from the top down, we've had the Prime Minister here during the flood and then when he was re-elected, this was his first port of call. And you had the new Governor-General here. Yeah, the Hurleys uh, between Cloncurry and Julia Creek, their first official engagements was here in the North West, so we were very, very proud to host them. And they were a lovely couple as well. They were fantastic and going to be great statesmen for the country. Greg, how long have you been Mayor? be three and a half years. And you're not overweight or anything because usually, you know, mayors get to eat lots of dinners and go to functions and all that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're a hard-working mayor, aren't you? And when he has a weekend off, he goes home and does a bit of fencing and things like that, don't you, Greg? Yeah, might have had a bit more hair before I started. <laughs> well, nice to meet you both. Good luck. Nice to be in your town. Thank you very much and you're welcome back any time. Hello, Macca. It's Judy from um, the Central Australian Aboriginal Women's Choir and um, also Desert Song Festival. And I'm here in Alice Springs in the mall uh-huh. um, this morning. It's a beautiful day in Alice today, <laughs> 27 yesterday. The- cold morning. You've had some cold mornings there, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> very cold mornings and cold evenings. And the wind when we first arrived was so chilly, driving up the up the guts, um, up past through the PD. There was so, um, all wind storms, you know, sandstorms blowing across. Yeah. So, so where are you from, Judy? I'm from Melbourne. You're yeah, from, and, and I'm, go on. Yeah, I'm on the team here with Alice. Yeah, at Alice for Desert Song Festival. And you said the Aboriginal Women's Choir. Where are they based? 
Um, they're in six different communities around Alice. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, Docker River, Tichikala, Arionga. That's easy um, for you to say. <laughs> Pardon, yeah. I said that's easy for you to say. They're hard words. Tichikala yeah, and, and yeah, Pichitinjara. Imitajulu, which, which is the one out at Uluru. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, we're up here um, promoting the festival, which begins on the 6th of September and runs for 10 days. And um, the women will be singing, and our main um, artists this year are the Soweto Gospel Choir. Oh, so wow. the women will be singing with them, the women's choir There's, will be singing with them. How many is in that? That's a big choir, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think all, you know, or a lot of them come. I think there's about 20 or 25 maybe 30 of those, so, yeah, not, yeah, all different, but, oh, magical, you so, know, just, so, just so, when they get together with the women's choir, yeah. So when's the Desert Song Festival start? On the 6th of September. 6th of September. Well, that, yeah. uh, that'd be worthwhile getting to the Alice to see that, Judy. Yeah, and then everyone, you know, like, people tend to go to um, Uluru mm. and um, do that, and they forget about Alice, but Alice... It's just such a beautiful little town. It is. So it's got so much, you know, happening and so many beautiful places to see. And um, and we're presenting all this beautiful music in all these iconic places out at Ormiston Gorge and out at Olive's Pink. I think you spoke with you spoke with Anne Boyd a few weeks back, and a, she's writing that um, a book. the opera. Yeah, Anne's, yeah. Anne's the runner. She runs. She rings me up and she's, yeah, right. she's puffing her way through Centennial Park or in the uh, the Melbourne uh, Marathon or the Gold Coast Marathon. Yeah, she yeah. yeah. Uh, and at uh, the same time, she writes operas. <laughs> that's right. She's writing an opera about um, Olive Pink and, and Olive Pink. That's right. And yeah. this this year, the women, the choir, are doing a little snippet of that um, uh-huh. on one evening and um, out at um, Olive Pink. And it'll be a little foretaste of um, what it's going to be presented next year uh-huh. at the festival. So, um, so what's, yeah. what sort of songs do, do the Aboriginal Women's Choir sing, Jude? Oh, they sing um, songs that were taught, hymns that were taught to, taught to them back in oh, in the eighteen, you know, late eighteen hundreds, yeah. when the um, the missionaries came out and. Um, they are the Aboriginal people who ask the missionaries to preserve their language in um, through these hymns. And um, Strollo and that sat down and they wrote out all the hymns, learnt um, Titanjara and um, Arenda, and um, wrote them all down. And that's why they've been preserved through all these um, these years, massive amount of years. And the women then approached when they heard Morris did quite as Morris Stewart. They approached him to um, make them a choir into a choir, and that hence the six different communities all sing, singing, um, yeah, in their own language. And it's helped to preserve the language. And this year, I'm not sure if you know, it's the um, International Year of um, Indigenous Languages. Yeah, the UN one. So yeah, um, yeah it's um, it's all very fitting and. Um, and the women love it. They've just spoken to me and said, you know, it was a fantastic thing that we're doing. You know, it makes us happy. We get so much joy from singing our songs singing in our language. Singing is good for you, Jude. It's singing is good for you. Singing and yeah. you pat your chest as well. Uh, it's 
gets the endorphins going. Singing is one of the it's, best things you can do, whether you can sing or if you can't sing, if you know what I mean. Just, yeah, just rip right. into it. If you can't sing, do it out in a space where no one's around. It's like me when I, I was playing the trombone one day because I started to learn the trombone for some strange reason, and the lady over the road said, oh, I heard you practising the trombone the other day. It sounded really awful. <laughs> <laughs> Probably sounds a bit like me, China. Well, we're having a, if you could come up here, you can learn the ukulele. We're having um, Andrew Grace from um, Queensland coming along and doing. We have these midday in the mall, mall sessions and uh-huh. um, different people teaching different things, so you can just turn up and learn the ukulele. So I'm going to do that. So That's the um, way to go. You know, I might be with you with a trombone. <laughs> no, I'm a trombone owner now, um, not a player. Speaking of Aboriginal language, it's I always think about it because I love the Aboriginal words and the way they flow off the tongue, but how they got to be that word and not something else because there's no language. Because I read this book once, um, Roland Robinson wrote wrote some lovely poetry and he spent time with Aboriginal people. And one of the one of the little quotes he had in his book is um, this bloke he met under a house in La Perouse in Sydney, Aboriginal bloke, and I was sitting there because because uh, Roland used to travel rough with a blanket and he'd sleep anywhere and he. He was an intelligent bloke, but he just travelled rough and he'd go out into the bush and he'd walk and because uh, uh, he said one of his poems, because possessions, because then possessions wearied me and I travelled light to be alone. Anyway, he met this bloke under the house and, and the bloke says to him, and this Aboriginal bloke says to him, he says, oh, Kelly's not my real name. It's, uh, it's just the nearest the white man gets to saying it. And and I think that about all the all Estrello and people, how they... Yeah. They, they interpreted what the Aboriginal people were saying and they wrote it down. What they thought it would could have been something completely different, but it's interesting, isn't it? But we've got these lovely words and languages now preserved by people like Strello and yeah. and it's just it's, it's interesting to contemplate, isn't it? And it's part of yeah. all of our history now, which is really nice. And it is, and these communities need to be able to teach these languages, um, you know, in their own languages as well as, you know, they're learning English. But, yeah, yeah they need them in their schools. To learn, so that it goes on for generations and generations, uh, because it's a li- the oldest living culture in the world. Exactly, our indigenous, our first um, Australian people. And the Fink know. River, the Fink River, out from you there, out in uh, Fink, is the oldest river in the world. The oldest yeah. river in the world. The Fink river. river. There you go. Wow. Nice Jude, I've got to fly, but nice to talk to you. Okay. Anyway, desertsong.com.au for anyone that's interested. Good, Good on, on you, Macca. Good on you. See you, Jude. Okay, see you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.